that's 22 years of Fellowship of Faith history in a nutshell. Many of you don't remember this, but when this church began back in 1999, and for those first few years, we, we began in, in a local elementary school that they didn't have air conditioning in. And it was Riverwood Elementary School here in, in McHenry, if any of you happen to be going there. And they stopped cleaning it every May, and we would worship there all through the summer and into the fall, surrounded by boxes and desks and everything else, setting up chairs every week, hauling them in in a trailer. As we were praying for the students earlier, I was, I was having some flashbacks to those early years and to think of all that, that God has been doing among us over these past 22 years, among the church, among each of you, that God has a story and you have a role to play in that story. Each of you has a story and that story intersects with God's story. You know, this past summer we've been talking about these God stories, listening to people share on stage stories of how God has been working in their life, what they've been learning, discovering, convicted by and challenged by, failing forward through. Today I want to tell you Fellowship of Faith's story. And it goes back to 1999. I wasn't part of the church at this point, so I'll say immediately that what I'm about to share with you isn't something that I experienced firsthand, but is really a compilation of what I've been able to piece together in my time here serving this church from those who worship here that were a part of that original movement, those who have had worshipped here, but have since moved on that were a part of it. Those who were part of the church that Fellowship of Faith came from and chose to remain there and other area pastors in our, our circuit, our area, who were kind of watching from afar as things transpired. What I love about Fellowship of Faith's story is that it's a story about how God works when people find themselves in what the Old Testament will call exile. How God works in the midst, not just of the good times, but especially in the hard times, in the rough times, in the times when it seems like there isn't a hope and a future. And that story for Fellowship of Faith came to a head back in 1999. You see, this church didn't start out of the visionary mind of, of a pastor or a church planter. It didn't start as a strategic move by a denomination or a mother church trying to reach more people in a certain community or locale. This church started out of a place of hardship. It started out of a place of, of wounds. And one of the deepest wounds that I've come to experience that people often face, and maybe I'm speaking to you, are, are church wounds. Christianity wounds, God wounds, those, those, those wounds and struggle, struggles that you endure at the hands of those who claim to represent Christ. As I unfold this story for you today, I want to make it clear that while I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you straight, no disparagement is meant by anyone in the history or towards anyone in the history of what developed. But this church that we call Fellowship of Faith 
birthed 22 years ago out of a very ugly church split. See, there was another Lutheran church here in McHenry. There, there, there still is to this day. And a brother leads that church that I'm very close to, called Zion. It's up by IHOP, right? We know where IHOP is. Many wonderful people seeking God, loving God, wanting to serve God, embracing the richness of the story of God in their context. But a church that had sin as well. There's no such thing as a perfect church. And I've been told this once, if you think you've ever found a perfect church, don't join it. Because you'll only mess it up. <laughs> because where two or three gather together in Jesus' name, there you will have sin. And sin existed there at Zion Lutheran Church like it does at every other church. But unfortunately what happened, in part because of the structure of how the church was organized and things that were allowed to continue, a certain sense of cancer came into the church because that's what sin is, it's cancer. It isn't content to just come in and say, that's fine, I've got my territory. It wants to grow and if left unchecked, it will. And the particular brand of cancer that happened to be growing at Zion as I come to understand the story is that the church developed a very nasty habit of chewing up and spitting out their pastors. There was a history of this. I talked to one who had served there well before Fellowship of Faith came in 1999 who eventually had to call the FBI because he was getting anonymous death threats in the mail from people in the church. And of course that becomes a federal offense as soon as it hits the U.S. mail. The recovery process that he had to go through, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a unique story, it wasn't a local one. Because unfortunately what seemed to happen in that church like happens in so many other churches that can happen in this church is that there was a group of people who poured themselves in. But suddenly it ceased to be God's church and started to become more of their church and things were going to be done their way. And the moment that someone would step out of line, particularly a pastor, with things being done their way, chew him up, spit him out, run him out, and get someone in who will follow it the way that we want to be. It's a danger every gathering of believers have faced since the time of Peter and John, I swear. Things came to a head. With the final pastor who served there before Fellowship of Faith began. His name was Rod Kinnear. Some of you are here and you remember Rod well. As the story is shared with me, there was an allegation of impropriety happening in the church. I don't know all the details. Maybe some of you can help fill those gaps. They're not really important. What is important is that Rod confronted it. And he was told to mind his own business. And he said, I can't. And that's when everything broke loose. Rod shared with me some of the stories about how he'd go to a funeral and his tires would be slashed when he'd come back out. He'd share stories about, I mean, it sounds like pre-Civil Rights South, how people would throw bricks through his windows with notes 
attached, how his kids were being intimidated at school by kids of people who were on the outs with him, voters' meetings, congregational meetings and assemblies that would turn into violent screaming matches where people would be threatening to settle it in the parking lot afterwards. You know how whenever you move from a home or an office, as good a clean as you try to make, you always forget a few things behind? I remember when I came to fellowship in 2003, and I was cleaning out some file cabinets, and I was going through the drawer, and I found some of the letters that were written to him that he had forgotten or maybe just wanted to distance himself from, shoved in the back of a file cabinet, and just reading the hate, the vitriol, the evil that people who were claiming to be Christian. We're seeking and spaying to another human being that they're a pastor for all, all intents and purposes as well. In the name of the Lord, the church can be an ugly place, can't it? And I want to let you know that those of you who have experienced church hurt, whether it was in 1999 or far more recent, you are not alone. It is a deep wound that many have faced, and yet God speaks into that wound. And it's often through that wound that God does his best work. That God shows himself and his glory and his goodness and his patience and his mercy most clearly. If you're in that place of deep wound, now take heart. Take hope and encouragement. God isn't done with the story yet. Even if you can't see where the story is leading, God can. And that's the story of Fellowship of Faith. I'm going a little urban legend now, but not, I think, too extreme. As I'm told, it was after one of these particular hostile meetings, when everything broke loose, that a group of people decided, we just can't worship like this anymore. We've done what we can. We've gone through the process. We've gone through the procedure. We've hit the limit. And then we're going to scatter the four winds. And after one of these particularly hostile meetings, out in the parking lot where the real meetings always happen, right? A group lamenting to each other. I can't believe it's come to this. I can't believe it's come to this. I can't believe we're never going to see each other again. I can't believe that the people that we've worshipped with, that, 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 that we're going to be torn apart, I can't believe that the church that we love has fallen so far. And it was in that moment that someone, as I am told, kind of just blurted something out. And have you ever had those moments where someone blurts something out that they didn't intend to be prophetic? and yet it starts to take on a certain sense of weight? Wouldn't it be great if there was just a church here in McHenry the way that church is supposed to be? Yeah. And it hung. It hovered out there. Why can't there be? What do you mean? Why can't there be? No, no, no. no. Why, why, why don't we start something? Why don't we actually do this ourselves? Oh, you can't do that. You need a, a denomination to say it's okay. You need a pastor to come and plant you. You need someone to teach you how to do it. No, no, wait a minute. 
Didn't Jesus say where two or three gathered together in his name, there he will be? Why can't he? And it was out of this conceptual field, out of this crisis, meeting revelation, that a group of people decided to gather in a living room. I've heard 10 people, I've heard 10 families, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But a group of people gathered together to just kind of check to see if, are we nuts? And from what I'm told, they came out of that living room on fire. As the story goes, they rented a hotel conference room, I believe, and decided to call their friends and family. Those who they knew had already moved on, those who were already in the fallout of what happened. Just saying, you know, we got this crazy idea, and I don't know if this makes any sense, but we'd love you to come to this, this gathering because we're going to talk about maybe, just maybe, something God might have in store for us in a new chapter. And as I'm told, 90 people gathered in that conference room that day. And a couple things happened there that I'm told that were pivotal. One is this. People were gathering in this conference room, meeting each other for the very first time. They were there going, wait, you went to Zion? Yeah, for, for 25 years. How about you? Yeah, about 30. The scales were falling from their eyes as they were realizing they were gathering for the first time with people that they had been gathering with for 20, 30, and even 40 years that they had never known or met. One of the apocryphal stories that I've heard, and I love this one, is that the deaf guy was there. See, at Zion, they had a deaf ministry. There was a sign interpreter, I guess, and this family would come, and they would sit really close, and, and this, this family would come, and they would sit and watch the sign, and when service was out, he would leave. And the deaf family was there. The deaf man was there, except it was weird because he seemed to be hearing. He seemed to be listening. He seemed to be responding. It's an Acts 2 miracle, right? He was never deaf. He just happened to sit there. And no one said hi to him, and he didn't say hi to anyone else. And everyone assumed, right? And in that moment, this group of people realizing, oh, how far we had fallen to call ourselves a church and realize to realize how important it is to be in fellowship, not just with God, but with each other. It is no, no accident that this church is called Fellowship of Faith. Something else happened there as well. Remember that there was no strategy behind this, no trained professional leading this, no denomination to fund it or get behind it or give guidance. This was a complete grassroots movement by people simply willing to take a risk, 
to step out of the comfort zone and going, God, I don't know what's on the horizon. We're going to jump. Please, please catch. Those who were at the living room got up. They shared the vision. They shared the story. They shared what they were dreaming. And people were on fire. People were excited. People were ready to go. And then you always have that one, right? You always have that one who gives the maybe most important question of the day. So now what do we do? (laughs) Well, we didn't think that far ahead. And as the story goes, they were sitting there around this room. Not someone on a stage and others in chairs, but together in a circle. And and someone goes, well, I guess we need a place to meet. You know, I know the the superintendent of the District 15 schools. Maybe I can get us a place where we can meet. They go, 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 go do that. And, And the first worship space for five years happened. Someone else goes, well, I guess, I guess we need an office. Because how can you be a church without an office? <laughs> but it's what they knew. I guess we need an office. And someone's like, you know what? I know a guy who's got a warehouse at the other end of McHenry. And I think he's got some space in the back he's not using. I wonder if we can grab it. Yeah, go find out. Go see what you can make happen. Someone else going, well, I guess we've got to lead worship. And someone's like, well, I kind of sang in the choir in high school. I, I can kind of work my way on the keys. Hey, can you put something together? Can you maybe try to lead us? And others going, I don't know what I can do because I ain't good at anything. But here's my hands, put them to use. Here's my feet, put them to use. Tell me what to do, I am yours. People giving their money, people giving their time, people giving their energy, people giving their reputation, and without realizing it, practicing what an Acts 2 community looks like without even doing it intentionally. Do you know this passage from Acts chapter 2? It's this beautiful picture that we talk about here a lot at Fellowship of Faith. It's really a vision for us of what we want to be as a church. And it's birthed back there in 1999 and what happened in the early days of this church in those living rooms and those conference rooms and those days of of setting up and tearing down every single week at Riverwood Elementary. Here's the passage. Leo, let's have it. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I should have had you read that along with me. Oh, write this on your heart. It's a picture. Picture this. Picture what this is like. What it would be like to be among a community of believers embracing this with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their minds. This is the spirit that birthed in 1999 as the stories are told to me. It's the picture that God 
I believe, has for this church still today and for the next 22 years to come. And they lived it without training, oftentimes without skill or talent, without guidance, with nothing but the call of God in their heart and the commitment to each other, the radical pursuit of the future God might have in store. And 22 years later, we sit in this building today. Some of us for the last 22 years straight, some of us for the last 10, some of us for the last five, some of us for the last one, some of us maybe for the first time today, reaping the benefit and the fruit of those who chose to step out in faith. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome what God does and how that impacts us? Isn't it awesome to imagine what God will do if we step out in faith today for people 22 years from today? It's a great God that we serve. You know, I wasn't going to do this, but now, now I kind of want to, um, and so we're going to, and, and you're going to have to move and stand up, and I, I hope it won't be embarrassing, but I hope so a little bit, because that's always fun. Um, you ever go to a wedding? Anyone been to a wedding? You can admit it. It's okay. You ever been to your own? Yeah, great, great. DJs do this sometimes, right? Where they try to get everyone on the dance floor and they do it by couples and they have the couples dance and then they start like picking you off like flies where it's like everyone who's been married five years leave the dance floor and then it goes to 10 to 15. You've experienced this, haven't you? And they keep going to see how far you can get. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to invite all of you on the dance floor, all right? Can you just like stand if you're here? If you're watching at home, hey, just, just enjoy and, and stand with us. Just stand, all right? We have a representation in this room right here today of what we call fellowship of faith. Since COVID began, I say a representation because what does God have in store? This, this, this live stream and digital presence we have now and those who are joining online, you are part of this movement in church. But here's what I'd like us to do. Let's just look around and acknowledge for a moment the faces and the people who have come to be blessed by this church, the kids who are just beginning, those who are really, really old and ending. <laughs> None of those here. None of those here, no, no. Those you recognize, friendships that have formed, those you don't recognize and the new people who matter so much to God are the people that you haven't met, your deaf guys, who gather with you today. And let's first start by just thanking God and praising God for the goodness of... And now I want to honor those who have gone before us upon whose shoulders we stand to reap the fruit of God's blessing. Those of you who have come with us in the past year, 
What a blessing to have you here. And we hope that you're blessed by this church and we hope you continue to be blessed by this church. And we want you to know that our home is your home. And if this is a fit for you, welcome to Fellowship of Faith. We cannot wait to see what God unleashes in you here. Let's celebrate those people who are here today who have been here less than a year. And if you've been here less than a year, now I'm going to invite you to sit. I'm sorry to make you stand out, but I'm going to invite you to sit, maybe to sit out. Um, all right, less than a year. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? How many new faces? How many new people who have come to bless us in the past year? Yeah. Now, if you've been with us in the last five, can you remember life before COVID? If you've been with us and joined us in the last five, maybe take a seat now. Thank you for the way that you've come, for the way that you've stuck, for the way that you've poured yourself in with fresh energy. And now we'll move to 10. If you've joined us in the last 10, if you wouldn't mind taking a seat. Yeah, we just like clapping, so I guess we're gonna keep doing it. All right. It, <laughs> Now, the next one is going to be interesting because I'm not going to, I'm going to give a date, but I'm not going to give a typical year. I am going to give the date of August 2004. It was the time that we first started meeting in this facility. If all you know of Fellowship of Faith is meeting in this facility, what a run, 18 years or 15 or 12 but at this point, if you would sit. Now, I'm still standing because I still make the cut. I had one year of portable church. Dude, you weren't even born yet. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I had one year of portable church, one year of getting, and I mean this, the privilege and honor of experiencing Riverwood. I'm glad it was only a year, but I had one year of it, so now I'm going to sit. And I want everyone to remain standing. Seat if this does not include you. Everyone to remain standing who was part of Fellowship of Faith from the very beginning. Would you stay standing, please, and everyone else sit. because of the risk that you have taken that we are here today picking the fruit of your labor what does God have in store for each of us who are sitting who might choose to do the same thank you guys you can have a seat and you know you know what I love about this story is they, they, they not only live this, they not only embrace it, they took the initiative on it. 
They didn't sit on their hands. They didn't wait for it to fall out of the sky. They said, God, I think you're calling. And they had the guts to step. And God blessed it. They poured themselves in, not passively attending, not just seeing what was in it for them, how it made their week better, though it did. No, they poured themselves into a higher calling. They poured to something greater than themselves. They poured themselves into a work of God that was well beyond anything they could possibly imagine. You don't have to shout it out, but could you guys have ever possibly imagined? 22 years later, what you began that day. And I got to say this, and I I want you to, to know this. It was called Fellowship of Faith, but they didn't all like each other. And I mean that sincerely. They didn't. Or at least I can say this. When I arrived in 2003, I can tell you at least by 2003, they didn't all like each other. Right? But they learned something more important than that. Because fellowship is not just about affinity. No, the church is actually something very different. The church is a, is a collocation, a gathering, if you will, of natural-born enemies who commit to each other in the name of Christ. I love how Paul writes to the early church. From Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. Let me have the slide. It's short and it's simple, but it's profound. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what they did. They didn't submit to each other because, well, you're so wonderful. No, there isn't someone so wonderful in this world. However much you might love them in the moment, there isn't anyone in this world who is so wonderful that can lead you to that kind of submission and commitment. But Paul writes to husbands, submit to your wives out of reverence for Christ, not because they're so amazing, not because they're so wonderful, not because they've captured your heart, because that stuff fades. No, submit to them because you know it's the right thing to do and it honors God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands, not because you want to, not because, no, out of reverence for Christ, believers, we submit to each other. Because that's what unity is. See, unity is not about all Magically happening to find ourselves on the same page, valuing the same thing, preferring the same thing, liking the same thing. If you're waiting for that, you're waiting for a fairy tale. And it's not one that does come true and not one where they all live happily ever after. No, that doesn't exist. What real unity is all about is people working through their differences but lifting each other up rather than themselves and honoring each other and submitting to another's needs and dreams out of reverence for Christ because he's amazing. And in his name and in his power and his strength, we can do, we can do even that. We can do anything. That's 22 years in a nutshell of Fellowship of Faith history. And God isn't done. He's not done with each of you. For those of you who have come here in the past year, God is not finished with you yet. 
For those of you who started 22 years ago, your work is not done. God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with you until you take your final breath, and I don't even think he's finished with you then. Oh no, as long as you draw breath and as long as you suck air, God has a plan and a purpose for you. God is not done writing your story. God is not done writing our story. Imagine what God has in store. Next, picture this. Picture the people who aren't here today that will be sitting in these seats a year from now, if I was to ask the same question, gathering in our midst, imagine the people who are searching for God, who need God, who are impacted by the joy that you bring, the fellowship that you extend, the service that you give. Imagine those that we will see in heaven someday because of the way that you pour yourself in. Imagine that mom or that dad who lives 400 miles away, praying beyond all hope that there would just be a church in her son or daughter's neighborhood that spoke her son or daughter's language that they could connect with. Imagine the answer to that prayer and the joy that will come in that because of the work that we do here. Imagine the people who are going to face some really hard times, and they will some deep struggles. Imagine the people who stand on the precipice of all hope being lost, who will come to know the salvific, the saving message of Jesus, the hope and future that he brings, that brings them back from the edge into a place of purpose and strength again, as opposed to futility. Imagine what it's going to look like for those of us who worship in this place, the way that we're going to experience God. The new things you'll learn, discover about him. The fields of vision that God will continue to open in the years to come of the depth and richness and wonder of who he is. Imagine the devotion, the faith that will birth. Imagine the worship, the exclamation that we get to give. Imagine what the future can hold. Imagine the fellowship the community, the breaking of bread, the power of prayer. Imagine the wonders and miraculous signs done in the apostolic stream that God will continue to manifest before us. Imagine the sacrifice. The sacrifice of people giving their possessions and goods to help one another in times of crisis, in times of need. Imagine a church that isn't just an hour on Sunday, but people gathering together because they want to because it fills their soul and brings joy to their heart and communion with God, breaking bread in their homes, eating together, sharing together, worshiping together. Imagine the impact this can have on a community who doesn't know God, who doesn't know hope. Imagine the number that the Lord will add to those being saved. Imagine it tangibly. Imagine it in your life. What is God's next chapter with you? We've just finished something here called first wave. We call it first wave because we expect a second and a third and a fourth because we don't think that God is done with a story 
yet. Imagine what God has in store for us as we meet here, expanding our fellowship areas, expanding our worship space, improving our, the details, our legion that I could share with you today. Imagine a hundred feet patio out beyond the back wall with built-in grills and fireplaces. Outdoor cafe seating and Edison lights strung overhead where people want to come and gather, not just on Sunday morning, but Friday evenings. And maybe a little band shell or an amphitheater. Horseshoe pits or sand volleyball. Imagine taking this gravel track we got going around the church and making it a go-kart track. (laughs) Imagine children's ministry and student ministry expanding so much that what we call our coffee house today has to be entire them, that the sanctuary space that we're gathering becomes our fellowship space and this wall blowing out because there isn't enough brick and mortar to contain the people that God is bringing in. Imagine the people who will be sent, the missionaries going to India and Uganda. The orphans who will be impacted. The people under persecution who will be blessed. Imagine locally. The Muslim refugees who are coming to DuPage County. Hearing the gospel of Jesus. Retirees living on fixed income who can't fix their home despite that it's leaking and those of us here deployed to go and help them. Oh, I can give story upon story and picture upon picture and imagine not just 22 years from now, but 50 years from now after many of us, well, no, apparently not, after many of us are long gone and those of us who are in the Rock Children's Ministry today start to collect social security. Let's pray that it's there. Imagine the investments that we make now and the untold fruit it will bear for them. Do you understand the concept of the, God, of the wave? Because we're borrowing a metaphor by wave. God sends waves. Now, I've never surfed a day in my life, but I like to pretend that I think I could. God sends waves. And we need to be ready to ride them. I want to share some things with you here today about surfing the waves that God sends. I'm going to share seven of these with you if I could ever get my clicker to work. There we go. Planning is like surfing. You listen to the weather reports. You scope the good breaks. You wait for the right set to come in. To wait for God to spontaneously do something. As beautiful as those moments are is to to sell the work of God short. No, it begins now. What waves is God going to send? I don't know. But let's be ready for them, poised for them, and prepared for them when he does. We do not know when God will send an opportunity or call. To try to manufacture a wave is a futile endeavor. But to miss the ones he sends is a tragedy. It's opportunity lost that often cannot be recovered. 
that wave is gone. And while God will send more, no two waves are alike. We don't know when God will send them, so let's be ready. Be poised, be ready, that when God sends the waves into your life and into this church, that you are ready to respond, here I am, God, send me. Simply waiting for opportunity to strike has more to do with, with feet. It has more to do with fear or laziness than faith. I've seen this happen so many times. Christians, please hear me. So many times, people who use faith as an excuse for action. Well, I'll just wait for the Lord to do it. I'll just wait for the Lord to reveal it to me. Let me pray about this. Oh, hear me, I am not undermining the importance of planning, wisdom, and discernment. But how often do we pray about something when God is saying, get up and do it? How often do we wait passively instead of paddling out into it, trying to grab it? No, so often our waiting game has more to do with fear or laziness than faith. I love this proverb that says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. It means we start saving. It means we start preparing. It means we start positioning our lives so that when God's call comes, we can strike, we can act, we can do it and not be caught unprepared. And make no mistake, surfing is spiritual warfare. The devil does not want you surfing. He does not want you riding the waves, moving forward with the Spirit of God. He's happy to let you bob, just watching. Lazy rivering it one more time, drifting wherever the current of life takes you. No, surfing calls for tenacity. It calls for risk. It calls for putting ourselves out there, knowing that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world that would seek to undermine God's story in you and what God is doing here at Fellowship of Faith. I love how Jesus puts it where he says, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Heave, right? The kingdom of heaven. <laughs> it's forcefully advancing. Hate spell check. <laughs> and forceful men lay hold of it, Jesus says. Take hold of it. How often do we think of Jesus as meek and mild, as passive? We imagine him as the shepherd cradling the wounded gentle lamb in his arms and oh, he does. You wounded gentle lambs out there, he cradles you, but he cradles you to heal you. He cradles you to bind your wounds so that as Isaiah will say, that even though when we stumble and fall, we will soar on wings like eagle, we will run and not be faint, that God wants you to seize it to lay hold of it, to run with the kingdom of God and to remember that it is risky. The people who started this church 22 years ago knew that. What's going to happen? Is it going to fail? But they took a step out in faith 
and now see what God can do. How is God asking you to step out in faith for him? What is that scary next step that you are keeping back from? Oh, he's good. You can trust him. And he invites you into something so much bigger than himself. Picture this. Picture this. What what could happen? What opportunity could present itself and what blessing could be reaped if you stepped out in faith? In him, can you see it? (laughs) Can you picture it? I guarantee whatever you're seeing right now, it pales in comparison to what God can dream. It was in one of Israel's darkest times, a time of hopelessness and helplessness, a time of futility and resignation, that the prophet Jeremiah said these words, For I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This verse doesn't mean you'll get everything you want. This verse doesn't mean that your life will be free of hardship. This verse doesn't mean that you won't face the valleys and persecutions and struggles. This verse doesn't mean that you won't have to sacrifice and bleed. This verse doesn't mean that the comforts of this world are God's greatest goal for you. No, it means something's far better. It means that God has you woven into a bigger story. He's got a plan for you, each of you, whether you know it or not. A plan for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, a plan of something good with him, a hope and a future. Can you use some hope and future? Today I tell you God's got it. He's got it, and he invites you to step out in faith and surf those waves that he is sending with him. It's 22 years. This, what I've shared with you today in its totality, is FOF story, and I don't think the story is over yet. I don't think it is. I don't think the story is done with our community, our church, right? And I don't think it's done with you individually. I think God's got another role to play for this church in the next 22 years. I think he's got a role to play with you too. Picture it. Let's rise. You are the redeemed. You are the forgiven. You no longer need be slaves to fear. You are children of God, not children born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will. As the disciple John would say, no, born of God. Many of us children of the devil, children of the king of darkness, but rescued, adopted, taken into God's family. That's what God has done for you. He's adopted you as his own, though you share no DNA. He says, you are my child, my son, my daughter. 
You are the forgiven, the redeemed. Children of an inheritance, a hope, and a future. This is the God we serve. Let's pray to him. Let's respond to him. Lord, that you would take us. Oh, that you would look at us and say, you're mine. David, you are mine. Ben, you are mine. Dell, you are mine. Steve, you are mine. Tony, you are mine. Melissa, you are mine. That you would say each of our names. Advice to your family. Thank you, Lord. May that... Ah. Oh. You know, forgive us, God, for losing sight of the big picture. The plan and purpose, the hope, the future, the goodness, <laughs> the possibility. What do you have in store, O oh Lord? We dream, and yet we know our dreams are so small in comparison to what you're ready to unleash. Open our eyes and our field of vision and move us to sacrifice, to service, to action, to faith, to step out, to step out through our fear because you are there. Even in the deepest dark valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You are there. That we can go through every valley face every trial. There is nothing you can give us beyond what we can bear, though, oh Lord, we doubt it at times. Oh, Jesus, here we are. Oh, God, our lives are yours. May our lives, may this church, may it be yours. Anything less is a tragedy. Forgive us for the times it is not. May we know your forgiveness in that place and then step out again to follow you. You know, it was Jesus on the night he was betrayed who took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body. It's given for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he took a cup after supper. He gave thanks. He gave it to them. And he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, a new promise shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. It was on the night when it looked like all hope was lost, that the kingdom had fallen, that God's dream had died. that God did his greatest work. And 2,000 years later, we come to the fruit of that because of the sacrifice he chose to make. It's amazing in its own right, isn't it? But isn't it also a great picture of what God is looking to do in me and you? Welcome to the table of the Lord.